All right, folks. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Bucks of America podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Vance. Tonight's podcast is with some savages here out in Colorado. These guys have known each other for a, for a good chunk of time here, playing football together, being li- lifelong friends. I got D'Angelo. I have Steve. And I have Maddie, and these guys came together and they created something called Hunt Wallet. Go check out their app. You can find it in both the iTunes and Android. Now, what this summation of this is, is what I've learned is that you can basically, you build your entire, you put all your inventory that you're going to be bringing with that, and you get to have opportunities to sh- share your stuff. You could, it teaches you how to manage all your preference points, receive automated notifications, Download hunting brochures to all 50 states, which is good. So even if you live in Alaska, you can find out what's going on down there in Florida. So you have a variety of things to look at. You can plan solo or group trips. You can build, like as I mentioned earlier, you can build and save your custom gear list and such. So this way it has a lot of opportunities for you to be able to build your, get, become successful at your next hunt. Now, Matt reached out to me because he came across my podcast with Huntfest with Zach with Efron and Jeff here a few weeks ago. And he hit me up with a conversation. I told him oddly enough, the same day he reached out to me, a friend of mine, Jeremy Fisher from the Toxin app, he t- sent me the link to their to Instagram photos. Like, hey, you should check these guys out. And then just like kind of fates had things in store and we crossed paths and here we are tonight. So I'm looking forward to getting to know these guys and I'm sure you guys are too as well. They are kind of setting the, the, the trend for trying to build a, something that's very cohesive, interactive, and it's, it is very smooth running as well. So I'm going to ask some questions, but most of all, I want to find out more about who they are and to provide the insight between these three men and why they created the Hunt Wall. But first, I want to get to know these guys. I'm sure you guys do too. Gentlemen, go ahead and take it away. All right, so D'Angelo Wilkinson, uh, originally from Las Vegas, Nevada. I've been living out in Colorado for roughly, what, 16, 2006, about 17 years now. Um, Growing up, I was not much of an outdoors person. My dad and my brothers, we'd go fishing. We'd go up towards, uh, we'd go up to Arizona or northern Nevada and go hunt and go fish for trout and things like that. But hunting just wasn't in the cards. It was something that was always intriguing to me, just um, didn't have access to it. Um, Came out to Colorado. I played football at Colorado State, um, the best school in the state. Uh, Played with Steve and we roomed together. He would always try to get me out in the mountains and go hunting. He was a big hunter when we were going to school. Uh, Just didn't didn't bite and um I wish I would have and then met my wife up at CSU we ended up moving to New Zealand shortly after we um got married and we lived over there for a couple years came back and uh Steve you know tapped on me again he goes man you should get your hunter safety and we can go hunting so I ended up getting my hunter safety back in what was that 2016 yep 2016 and went on my first uh, hunt, which was a late season elk hunt, um, which was some funny stories in there. I actually wish we would have had Hunt Wallet back then because <laughs> I didn't have, you know, I was a new hunter, didn't have a fifth of the gear that I have now, didn't have sleeping bags and, you know, the important stuff for a, a late season hunt. 
And um, on that particular hunt, Steve was supposed to bring the sleeping bag and he didn't. Well, he forgot to let me know. So, <laughs> so ended up sleeping under a space blanket the whole night. Sounds so- like he was sleeping in a Lay's potato chip bag. <laughs> horrible. <laughs> horrible. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was my first hunt. And I don't think, no, we did see, yeah, we did see a group, a group of bulls. Um but didn't didn't kill anything. But after that, I was hooked, and that wasn't even you know, you know, hearing hearing them bugling and things like that. It's just you know, seeing being being able to see them and interact with them out um, in nature. And then we um, after that, I was hooked. I you know went on you know multiple you know buck hunts, antelope hunts, and then probably three or four years after that, I got into um, archery archery hunting, which is just a whole another beast. Um, and that's, that's been a blast. Um, I mentioned earlier that I'm married. So I got a wife, I have two kids, two girls, one, three and one 15 months. Um, and my day job, um, until hunt wallet, you know, pays the bills. I, I am a marketer by trade. So, um, don't have any technical experience. So it's been pretty interesting going a journey with built, building this application. We're not developing it, but it's just been interesting trying to get people or to understand the lingo and, and things like that. Oh, completely understandable. Especially now when you have uh, the chat GPT and other ways to, to help increase yeah. your programming too, as well to even cut some costs. It's amazing. What's all coming. I've been started playing with chat GPT here over the last couple of weeks. Cause the, what uh, Gary Vee was to explain to the youngsters out there is that uh, AI is not going to go anywhere. And it's going to go out there and it's like, this is the time to learn that. And if you're able to become pretty efficient here in five years, you're going to you're gonna be able to secure yourself in a, in a position later down the road. But it's quite interesting in what it can create and what it's done. And it's darn right scary. It's like, it's Skynet for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love it. Nice. Uh, I'm Matt. Um, Steve and I grew up together uh, in Boulder, Colorado, which I'm sure will surprise some folks as Boulder doesn't have the most glowing reputation uh, in the hunting community. But, um, I, you know, he's, he's originally from Kansas and moved Colorado when he was young. And uh, both my parents grew up on farms in Northwest Iowa. And maybe that <clears throat> has something to do with it. Uh, but I actually never, I never, I didn't get into hunting until four years ago. This will coming up on my fifth archery season. And, uh, so I feel like I'm still very much, uh, a new to, to the sport, to the hobby, to the, to the lifestyle, you know, to, to all the above. Uh, but I have a similar story to D'Angelo in that Steve's the one who got me into hunting too. Um, I, I went to the University of Colorado. <laughs> and uh, after I graduated, um, I moved to Australia, spent some time over there, and then moved to San Diego and lived there for almost 10 years, and then uh, Las Vegas for two. And uh, when I moved back from Las Vegas, about it was 2019, mid 2019. And, uh, you know, Steve and I stayed in touch as we've been, you know, good friends since since middle school, mm-hmm. I think, or, or high school. Yeah. And, uh, when I came back in town, um, he was like, you know, you should get into archery hunting. And I was like, well, tell me about it. And he goes, you know, it's, it's everything that you enjoy already. You like to camp, 
you like to be outdoors, you like to work, you like to work out, you like you like to spend a money. challenge. <laughs> yeah. What they what these two failed to mention was the financial commitment. Oh yeah, that that'll do it to you. So like two and two thousand, three thousand dollars in, and I'm still I don't still don't have everything on the list that they gave me. I was like, when does this fucking stop? <laughs> when does this end? Uh, and thankfully they didn't. I mean, maybe I wouldn't have uh, elected to get into it. Um, but yeah, they took me up. Uh, my first archery season was that 2019 season. And uh, I think it was us three and then a fourth friend. I think Matt, the other Matt was uh, with us that year. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a blast. I didn't really know. I wasn't really sure on it. I think it was just a lot to take in. For the first time, it was brutal. I mean, I think probably everybody's going to say that, uh, but it was an abnormally hot year uh, where we were hunting uh, and an abnormally dry season where we were hunting. So we were just getting cooked. Every step we took sounded like we were stepping on potato chips. So stocking fucking sucked. Um, The animals weren't moving um water like some of the what historically these guys had said some of the watering holes walls and so forth that were existence they were they had dried up or or maybe even never had gotten water so um it was just a really i guess challenging but interesting experience um but enjoyed it to continuing to continue doing it and have a look back um enjoyed it immensely um i do find it very interesting how the archery season seems to be just long enough to make you happy that it doesn't come (laughs) around for several months afterwards true um so uh yeah that's that was my that was my kind of foray into in the hunting and then my background like d'angelo i'm not I'm, i'm i don't have a technical background though uh coincidentally the the job that i was rolling off of when i moved back to Colorado, uh, one of the most, one of the last projects I was working on was we were developing an app for, uh, well, we were developing a resort. Um, and part of it was going to be, uh, what at the time we thought was a a very forward looking, uh, native app. And so I had the opportunity to work with a a really awesome, uh, agency out of Dallas and we had built we had gotten pretty far in that in the app development process. So um, I had a very cursory understanding of designing and, and building uh, a native app. Uh, my background has been a lot more in web development, you know, again, not from the technical side, but leading teams um, who are involved with developing uh, websites and, and stuff that's a little less intensive. Um, so I had a background there, but um, you know, I'm marketing and sales by trade uh, myself. So uh, I'm sure we can get into kind of how we got to the idea of Hunt Wallet and kind of the progression and the and the the life that that's taken on. Um, but when D'Angelo pitched the idea of Hunt Wallet to me, coming off of that experience with the resort and 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 building and designing that app and understand, I think I had two seasons under my belt at that point and just connecting the dots. Um, it had made all the sense in the world to me. So 
that's how I got into hunting. That's how I got uh, around to app development and I'm gonna pass it on to Steve. That's awesome. So Steve, before I, before I let you go, before we continue on with you, Steve, man, it's like, you're just like me, man. I get into people under people's skin. And I just get them motivated. And like, they, just, <laughs> they, they feel, they, they feed off my passion about archery. But before yeah. that was paintball. I mean, I could get anybody into paintball because like, who would want to go out and shoot somebody in the face and get yeah. away with it? You know, it's like, it's absolutely yeah. a blast. Right. And that's what I do with all my friends in Arizona. It's like, it's like <laughs> you should come play paintball with me first. Like come out, rent their stuff. And it's like, dude, I want to go buy this gun. I want, what do you think about this one? Like asking you, me for, for recommendations for a good entry level gun or, or then, or going up the market for either they want to get a pump or something like that. It's just having that charisma and that passion for the outdoors. It just, it's addicting. And it's like, and you never, then you just start showing everybody this, start showing them this opening yeah. that door, but everybody's perception and their experiences are going to be far different than what you and I have come across Steve. So yeah. man, I love it, Steve. I like your passion behind it. Cause you got two guys that are not used to being out in the woods, but they're like, don't you like being in the woods, but now you're actually going out there hunting for food, man. Mm -hmm. it, it, it changed the whole perspective. It's bringing out your, your inner, uh, woodsman, yeah, your inner exactly. savage. A hundred percent. Uh, like they mentioned, I grew up my whole life hunting and fishing. Uh, like funny stories, like in, in college, I'd, we'd make, uh, like mountain lion chili or bear stew. And I wouldn't tell D what it was. And I'd wait for him to finish his, you know, bowl of whatever it was we were eating. And then I'd tell him what it was. And then he'd talk about how his stomach hurt and all these things. Uh, the smells. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, with Matt up in Boulder, like I was the friend that, you know, like we'd have a, a, a bye week in football. So I'd go uh deer hunting or elk hunting and then i'd come down to their house and i think one of the first times uh our other buddy matt uh they were all out at the bars and i had just gotten back and killed the deer and uh had just skinned it and everything had everything in the back of my truck they lived up on the hill in boulder so i like decorated their whole door with the, all the legs and everything <laughs> while they were gone and then Love it. They came back to uh it's all those good stories but i think a lot of it was when you find like friends where you can expose them to what hunting is and what archery hunting is, you can explain to somebody all day long. Like it's, it's hard. Like the mountain doesn't care. Like you need to be in shape, all these things, but you're going to hear a bull bugle and you're going to get this adrenaline rush that you've never felt before. You may not even be able to pull your bow back, but I want you to feel that. And like, getting people close to elk and like just in their you know full testosterone just you know mating fighting all of that just to get somebody in you know scrub oak where you can see six yards and you've got bulls and elk all around you just going crazy and just to see what their faces are and the experiences that they're going through like when d shot his first buck i think we started hunting the rut in this archery area and uh we'd see all these does and one of our uh you know mentors is like another dad for Dilo and I uh growing up he's the one that always took us hunting and fishing and he's like whoa he's like guys stop archery hunting there he's like you got all those does you remember when you were young like there's going to be boys there once uh once all those does go into heat like that's when you want to be back there and we were like oh okay we'll we'll give it a try and we went back there and we were like how do you shoot a moving target when these deer are just going absolutely crazy. Uh, so I got to see D kill his first buck and like 
all those things. It's just an incredible feeling to get to experience. So first turkey too. Yeah, first turkey called that in with him. He called it from the bottom of a canyon in South Dakota. Came full fan, just drumming the ground like it was. I was kneeled right behind him. Kneeled for too long. We were like 15 minutes in a squatted position where everything goes numb. <laughs> uh, but just going through it and. I think going through those experiences in life and like, those are the friendships where, you know, you have to be selfish with hunting. Cause there's only so it's, it's seasons. It's not something you get to do year round. You get to experience those things once a year. And when you find the right group of friends, that's willing to push themselves and go through that with you, like go through all the suck. And just when you're not talking for three hours, like it's just grueling, but then it pays off. Like that's the incredible part about archery hunting. You are exactly right, mate. I couldn't explain it any better than that. It's it's amazing what what it could what the cold weather, the harsh weather, the hot the heat can really do to a, a man's. Uh, um, what's we're looking for? His um, uh, I can't. His uh, his mu his muster, his might, his grit. It's amazing what all that can do to a guy because it's 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 intimidating at the same time, but also it's like it's it's like you get to really put yourself and push yourself to another level that you never thought you would be able to, you know, like setting through winter storm store, sitting through winter storms, or you're going out opening morning on uh, during the right when the rut kicks off and it's negative 13 degrees outside and you got your your beard covered in ice because you forgot your face mask. Oh yeah. Yeah. Should have used hot wallet. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. So D'Angelo, why don't you tell me your experience with your first animal you took with your bow or your first, no, did you, your first animal, did you take it with a gun or a bow? My first animal I took with a gun. Okay. Um, and that was, that was the deer. Yep. Yeah. That was the deer. Um, so Steve, he kind of alluded to that a little bit. Um, it was, was that opening day? Yeah. Yeah. It was opening day. So we got this place we call Rainbows Inn. It's like our honey hole for um, everything except elk. Um, although I did see a massive bull back there, like four season rifle. Um, so we found this place and it's a honey hole and tons of does, tons of tons of turkey, all that stuff. Um, it was the first time I was hunting deer with a rifle and um, we had scouted, we saw a bunch of big bucks, bunch of big bucks. And that was our first time seeing big bucks back there. We hadn't seen any during archery season. Um, and we, the, we go back to rainbows Inn where we had scouted, thought we were going to see all these bucks and we get back there and there's like nothing. And there's, there's almost nothing more dejecting. Like when you first start hunting, to then you see all these animals when you're scouting and then you have you made it up in your mind like oh i'm gonna go out there like as soon as i get boots on the ground i'm gonna see a buck and i'm gonna shoot it and that just and when that doesn't happen it is super it, it was dejecting um i've definitely calloused a little bit now to understand that hey the animals are going to do whatever the hell the animals want to do um but yeah long story short we didn't see any animals that morning and my patients were already like, well, fuck, what's going to happen now? Uh, we decided to go get something to eat. And then we drove down the mountain, went up into another canyon. And we were hiking around, um, saw 
another hunter and his son. And he comes out and goes, yeah, there's nothing in there. We're like, okay. So we go in there and we start hiking up and we see a group of deer. There's a small fork buck. Um, and I was like, I'm shooting them. Just, just get it over with. I'm, I'm shooting them. No patience, nothing. Um, it was about 180, 187-yard shot. Um, shot him. He took a few steps and dead. So we wait, waited until he you know, dropped and died and then walked up, started walking up to him. And out of the corner of our eye, we see a bunch of movement. And there was like probably 15 or so deer um, 15 or so deer, like next to like the deer that I killed. And long story short, Steve ended up shooting a monster buck probably 15 minutes after I shot mine. So, I mean, it was just a all around, just super cool experience. And it was one of those spots where it's in a Canyon. So it's like, you know, like this straight up. We're like, we don't know what's in here. We yeah, see, I see them that. sometimes. My parents live up, you know, in Estes Park. So I've driven that thousands of times. We see them in there. It's going to suck. Let's leave the packs in the truck and just take our rifles and see if we see anything. And of course, it's like the five minutes before dark when I shoot that one. We're skinning them both. D goes back down the mountain, gets the packs in the truck, comes back up while we're quartering them out. And it was just like, straight down i'm drenched in sweat and he's he's in front of me got his headlamp super steep walking on these rocks he's probably like 20 yards in front of me got my pack on i'm so sweaty that i had taken my hat off and just had my headlamp on my head and i'm looking down because it's all these little like crevasses inside of this these rock formations and all of a sudden Dilo's looking back at me and all that sweat i'm looking down at these crevasses and it just like slips off my head and like goes into the abyss oh no and you know we're i don't know a thousand feet up on this in this canyon and i was like d you gotta come up here dude like i'm not walking like another step so we each have a deer on our back a buck and i'm holding on to the back of his pack like so i can have the light from him pitch black outside no moon like cloud cover yeah it was uh it was a, ended up being a great, a great experience, but. So how a, long did it take you to get both animals off the mountain? Um, I'd say we killed them like right before last light and we didn't get out of there until about nine. Yeah. It was enough to where when we got back to my parents' house, my mom, she saw the light at the end of the drive. We got a long driveway up there in the mountains. She saw the light kick on to where she met us like in the driveway. Like, there's no cell phone service. So. Yeah. It's a couple, a couple, probably three hours. Yeah. yeah. It's not three. bad though. Is it considering no. all things happen? I myself, I've, I've had this past season. I was, I shot a dome. The, the wind pushed my arrow just far enough forward, hit that little dead spot in the brisket there. It passed straight through. When I saw it go through, I was like, yes, I got, it. it's going to be dead. Then it's like, then the, then the real dread came. It's like, we crossed a hundred yards. 200 yards 300 yards like where the fuck is this deer at and uh i called in reinforcements but as the as the night was progressing my headlamp died i still had a phone on me so then after that night i always packed two headlamps in there and a full and a a backup battery for my phone so i can fully charge this this way i'm not gonna run through that again because we had to grow through water and all that fun stuff still never found the deer but i think i think it it, 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 it surviving or 
what could have happened to there was two, we about 10 30 i shot the deer, deer like 4 45 right before dusk and stuff like that 10 30 we got three guys now the, the party increased to three guys looking for it and about 10 30 we hear two packs sound off so it's like well somebody's eating good tonight or the deer was going to survive <laughs> yeah. either way it's like man it just it just it, it's 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 frustrating when all of a sudden that that all your preparation goes into it and it's like then your your most valuable piece of equipment either if you lose it or it dies oh yeah, yeah. one one thing i wanted to go back to like just to kind of you know um encapsulate the experience um when i shot that deer it was like the highest of highs um still 200 yards away um he's dead and it was like yes i finally did this i got me an animal uh it was it was just it was incredible you know, one thing that, you know, I don't hear hunters talk a lot about is the taking of a life. And when you get up close to that animal and you realize that you've taken that life, um, that definitely I got a little little emotional, definitely had a lot of respect for the animal. Um, and just thinking to myself, like, man, can I continue to do this? Obviously, I'm still doing it. Um, but, you know, that's something that's I think is not talked about often is just the emotional um i don't want to say emotional toll just the how emotional it is to to take a life mm -hmm. um and that really hit me in that in that moment sure i completely understand that uh it's i've, I've said the story a few times it was the fall of 2021 and i had a pair of twins a pair of does come out in front of me archery season knocked an arrow back and it's like well i'm, I, I'm considering I my drive home all the work i had to put in so i only took one of the two this and if you ever seen twins in iraq they're being I mean, they're they're they they never leave each other's side and i shot the first one straight past through dropped immediately which was fantastic but then the next 45 minutes changed my entire perspective on life and watching an animal watch his friend it's it's its sister go through like what the heck just happened to grieving and then back to reality and then to go back on it's like it was just something that just like good lord made me want the good lord made me want to made me watch this for a reason and then that that was what i came down to it it's like you know you gotta there's there's now there's always a further step in your your thought process on what you're gonna do it's like now it's like do when i have another situation like this again do i if I'm have the opportunity, do I put an arrow in both of them or a bullet in both of them? What do I do? Because now I've watched what happens, but then I also recognize that animals are just remarkable creatures. It's like they live in the real world. They live in in, in where they it's a dog eat dog world, and they gotta get back to reality and continue eating to survive the winter and make sure they don't get don't starve to death and don't get eaten by coyotes or another shot by another hunter. Sure. For sure. Matt, do you have any, have you been able to connect on an animal since you started hunting in since 2019? No. So I've, so far, I've only archery hunted elk uh, here in Colorado, uh, OTC uh, public land. And I don't say that because I think that that's a, like some badge of honor. It's just, that's, those are the tag, that's the tags I've gotten. Um, and that's the that's what I've had an opportunity and and these guys are elk hunters first and foremost and they're obviously my my hunting mentors and and who I've gone hunting with so far so um my experience has been uh, exclusive to to 
those tags and and that experience. Um, you know, before we came on the air, we were talking about how you know, were telling a couple stories about some stupidly close uh, encounters, um, almost you know, embarrassingly <laughs> close encounters. Um, and, and that's that's as far as I've gotten. Uh, my very first season, that 2019, first first morning, first season, our hiking is what three miles in that area. Mm-hmm. So we got we did our hike in. We got in before right before shooting light, and we were in elk instantly. Bugling, surround you know, s- sounded like we were surrounded. Um, sounded like they were coming in. Um, for a couple of us, it sounded like they were, I don't know, 25, 30 yards out, though, in some pretty uh, dense brush. So couldn't see them. Certainly wouldn't have had a, a shooting, uh, wouldn't have had a uh, what shooting, lane. shooting lane um, at that particular moment. But that was my <laughs> that was my first experience. And I was like, fuck, this is going to be great. Like, we're just going to be, <laughs> this is, is going to be some killers out here. and. Uh, you know, like I obviously came with the right folks because you know they just got me right into animals and um and and unfortunately um never saw any animals, let alone had any opportunities in that very moment. And then from there on, I think we did four, we were on four, four or five days that hunt, and uh that was by far the closest and what felt like the realest opportunity that we had. And after that, it was a lot of a lot more of what we all I guess, come to understand about hunting and elk hunting and archery elk hunting and the challenge of it. Um, but yeah, my first experience, I was like, man, this is going to be dope. We're, <laughs> we're going to be, we're going to be tagged out and fucking eating backstraps like day one, like sign. All right. And it was like, it was a uh, Labor Day weekend. So it was yeah. like, we could probably still get back down and catch like a pool party. Like we yeah. could, this could be the greatest weekend ever. Um, so that was my introduction, but um, we, we, we talk quite a bit amongst ourselves about like, what is hunting? What do we most enjoy about hunting? What makes it really special? And I, I, obviously that's unique to everybody um, or can be unique to everybody. Um, but while I would very much like to and hope to break this streak this year, and I don't, by no stretch, am I trying to make the case that hunting and not taking an animal is just as fun as hunting and taking an animal. Um, but my experience, even without taking an animal, these last four seasons, um, have been nothing short of, uh, you know, spectacular, even though that, that word sound makes it sound more like emotive than it is. It's, it's a deeper enjoyment, um, probably because you do have such a wide range of emotions when you're out there and you're with people that you really enjoy and care about and, you know, you, you develop a, a bond and a closeness uh, through that experience and through that time spent in the woods. So um, I think long story long, you know, hopefully this year is the year that, I, that I, that I break that, that streak. Um, but I've enjoyed every last minute enough, of, enough. I've enjoyed it enough to keep doing it and spend stupid amounts of money on it. He did shoot, which he's uh, he's neglecting to share with everybody. He did shoot the hell out of a 300-gallon trough. Yeah. <laughs> Steve and I, we were, we, were, we were not – we put him 
at the watering hole. Okay. And we were, we were probably what, 50, 60 yards away. Mm-hmm. And we just hear this noise, like at first light, just bang, just a boom. And it sounded like something had hit like a trough. And we look at each other and go, did Bill's just, Matt, did Bill's just shoot? Did he just shoot an animal? And so um, after all the commotion, we ended up meeting up. Dude, did you shoot? Did you shoot an elk? He goes, no, I was practicing drawing back and my release went on. (laughs) (laughs) But but they they put me at this watering hole that was so fucking cold. (laughs) So cold at the beginning of the morning. And I like I was freezing my tits off. And I thought I heard what I ended up hearing was, again, in this area that we, we hunt on occasion, there's also livestock, uh, cows throughout there. So I hear ruffling. I hear something large moving through through bush or brush or whatever. And I'm like, it's fucking on. And also, these guys are going to feel so stupid because they obviously <laughs> put me at this place because nobody wants to be at this fucking freezing wallow. And I'm about to turn the tables on them and I'm about to harvest. and. Yeah, I just sent sent that Rob head right through <laughs> through that watering truck. Oh man, that's just funny. That kind of reminds me where one of the properties I hunt. I also hunt public land here in Wisconsin. And early morning, first time sitting on this property, and little did I know I was I bought it. I put myself right again. I've seen enough. Re, I've done enough recon where I know the deer coming in and out of. Well, when I got out there that morning, I had no idea that. I, the property butted up right next to a horse. Uh, I wouldn't say a hobby farm, but they, were, they had horses and all that. All of a sudden, you hear something just come walking through and stuff like that. It's like, oh, this is great. I hear it coming around. It's like, get ready. And here comes this beautiful horse. It's like, well, that, that's a little disappointing. <laughs> that's a little disappointing. But, you know, it's like the nice thing is there's a clear line, visible fence line that they don't cross. So it's like yeah. there was there was no way to worry about drawing back and hitting the animal. But man, it just you hear this the footsteps is like, well, this is not a squirrel. This is not a possum, which I they make a lot of noise when you mm-hmm. when you don't you least expect it. I was setting this past fall and I hear some something walking down this trail. I'm setting in this this junction and I, I'm at full draw because it's deer, if something's going to show up and here it is this little fucking possum making acts like sound like a marching band going through the weeds <laughs> and here it's just this little guy right here it's like and the funny thing was just my name 24 hours earlier I was talking to my buddy uh Chris Vega and he shot himself uh, a possum on his gal's farm he was dating and it was a nuisance because they the possums carry so much disease and they really get in they can really harm horses and such but this was two different properties so but man it's just weird and what how a little animal can make so much noise oh yeah well i i think that was either my first or my second season and like i said it was it was very early in the morning it was right after probably right after first after shooting light and uh i'm geeked up uh and I mean, I don't want to say that I would have been dumb enough to shoot a cow, but <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it like poked its head out and and I had a I thought I was on to something, like maybe shooting that, maybe shooting that water container <laughs> saved me from a fucking explanation and a and a, and a hefty bill to a rancher. That is a that is a very good uh, uh lesson learned right there. So I wanna move into 
the hunt wallet app here i was reading through some of the your stories here and i like d'angelo's uh relation like he applied for a, a tag down there in arizona and not realizing how he's going to keep track of all this stuff because i'm a big randy newberg fan himself myself and such and it's like he's just kind of got this really positive attitude about getting people involved in the outdoors and he it's like and he's probably the most one of the most down-to-earth hunting celebrities you'd want to call him out there i mean he's involved with the community he's the rocky mountain elk foundation he's involved with so much and you listen to his war stories from during dealing with montana back when they wanted to bring um wolves off the endangered species list and actually learning the true intentions behind that whole scam uh, it's just it's just really uh it's really heartwarming i haven't met him yet but that's one of the it's one of my go one of the potential people i want to meet before before he passes away because you never know what could happen so d'angelo tell me about your story about uh your pursuit of elk and uh when you applied for that uh, tag down there in arizona sure um i want to say that was what 2020 or 2019 it's probably 20, 20 uh, application season because coming out of that is when you got the idea and then approached yeah. us and we started in 2020. Yes. Yeah. So 2020, um, it was around February, watching that Randy Newberg video. Um, by that time, I had hunted for about four years. So I was finally starting to get comfortable with the complicated process of you know, preference points, keeping track of preference points and applying and looking at the hunt codes and everything. And that was just for Colorado. So I was getting comfortable with Colorado. I was watching a that Randy Newberg video, Fresh Tracks video. Um, and he was in Arizona. I think it was like a late season rifle hunt. Okay. And the bulls were just massive. I mean, he was on public land. I was like, man, I need to go hunt in Arizona. Um, so I immediately hopped on fishing game, Arizona fishing game, and applied for a preference point. I just think that week was the deadline to apply, apply for a preference point. Right. And very quickly, I realized that if I'm going to do this for Arizona, I probably want to do it for my home state of Nevada. I want to do it in Wyoming. This is going to be a lot to like keep track of. And I went down the path of putting it all in a spreadsheet and I, outside of work, I loathe spreadsheets. And I was like, man, there's gotta be a, a better way. Went and started looking for solutions on the internet, didn't find anything. And probably a few weeks later, I was, I started wireframing, which is basically doing like some low fidelity, um, like screenshots of being able to track your preference points, track where you apply to and things like that. Um, and then once I had it to a point where I was like, man, this is pretty cool. I approached Matt and Steve and showed them it, showed it to them and then asked them, you know, what they thought if they wanted to be a part of the journey. And they both said yes. Um, so I, you know, biggest con man there. Um, and then you know, from there, it's, I mean, it started as like an application and preference point tracking idea. And it's sort of morphed into this thing that you can not only track your applications and preference points, you can, you know, download the brochures to all 50 states. You can plan hunts with your buddies, or you can plan a hunt by yourself. You can keep track of all of the gear that you have. You can keep track of the gear that you may want to buy. 
Um, so it's definitely morphed into this all-encompassing, you know, hunt planning and organizing tool. That's fantastic. I was, wasn't sure if someone was going to continue on about it. That's a nice uh, way of moving into it. So that was the initial hurdle that you saw that you needed to figure out, like, well, how do we manage all this stuff? So then what were some of the other inspirations, like then bring in the, the hunt planning and then the gear management, the task management, like what was something you, was this all based off of like Steve's experiences or were this something that you noticed, Matt? It's definitely Matt. Yeah, it's definitely Matt. I would say, and this is broadly speaking about developing maybe any product, but certainly any software product. It's really easy to expand the scope of what you want to build or what you want to create. Uh, and you can do it pretty quickly. And I know that, you know, prior to, to getting on this episode, we were chatting real quickly about like, you know, what could you share with somebody else who maybe is thinking about creating an app or creating a tool or a solution or, or building a business maybe in general. Um, and I would say this is one that when we look back on, it's probably one of the first ones that comes to mind, which is uh, it's really, it's really easy to construct in your mind of a grand vision in a grand product. Um, and it is integral. It is, it is absolutely necessary, I guess, to be able to keep maintain some focus. Um, and that doesn't mean that like your ideas aren't great or that there aren't a lot of value, but it, you can only do so much at one particular time, or you only have so much money to create a certain set of features or whatever uh, at a certain time. And so, I mean, we, so we've, like you said, we've created at least the, the basis of in the beginning of this fully encompassing hunt planning and organizing tool. And there's a ton that's in hunt wallet right now. And there is a ton that's on the roadmap still to be, to be built or created. And we kind of half joke every once in a while that had we understood the full cost of even just what we've built today, I don't know that we would have gone down this path. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're, we all have day, you know, we all have our day jobs that, that provide for us and our families and keep the lights on and, and fund this venture. Uh, but this venture, it, it generates some money, some revenue, but it gets put right back into the app. It's by no means self-sufficient. And, uh, you know, if you, if we would have known the full cost to get to where we are today, that it, the number's not, it's not insignificant, right? It's not de minimis. And, and if, so it, in a, in one way, you know, I think we're all happy that we didn't know the real true cost of what this whole endeavor was, was going to cost because we may not have done it and it's been totally worth it. Um, but it can grow on you rapidly. Um, if you just follow, you know, like what, what do you think is cool? What would be really mm -hmm. neat? What would be like the greatest thing to have? Sure. Yeah. Like to build on that with Matt, I think a lot of it was just trying to take experiences and I feel like it's what every hunter can relate to. So like when it came to gear, 
we would all show up, you know, three trucks full of stuff, you know, granted Matt has a GMC and me and Dilo are Ford guys. So it's like a little smaller, but we would show up and then have multiples of everything with a limited amount of space. You know, there's no reason Tetris. to bring, yeah, playing Tetris, basically trying to get out and then getting like two hours of sleep before opening day. Cause we're dealing with, you know, like I see someone else pull out their jet bullet and I'm like, guys, God, like, you know, here's another five gallon jug of water. Like here's three archery targets, you know, little blocks. We don't need all this stuff. So I think a lot of it was kind of guiding that. And then from the gear aspect of it, it was understanding what you had, but then going through experiences in the field where we learned like how old is something. So when they put a gear item into their gear list, it's time stamped. So like when your boots are three years old, as Dilo learned, there's a high probability that your laces are going to break in the woods. And do you have paracord or a backup set of laces? Like these little things that we never thought about where then it happened to us while we were out there. And we were able to learn from that and try to eliminate the biggest pain points that no matter what you hunt, every hunter faces those things. It's a very good point right there. I myself have not uh, had a shoelace break yet. But then again, I'm, as you think about it, like as you just brought up a good point there, Steve, is like, how old are my boots? And mm -hmm. how old are my my my, my uh, laces? Because I hunt in bluff country, so sometimes I'm going up six, 700 feet elevation to get for a vantage point to look out or try to beat people on public land to hopefully, if I get there early enough, they'll do the work for me and line something up for me. But these are that's a really valuable thing. Even like for me, like hot hands, I went through last september before the season opened up i threw away so many hot hands because they expired and i've used expired gear and when your hot hand or your feet warmers die on you and it's like you're sitting in a tree stand and that steel's pulling the heat out of you and it's like you, your hunt becomes extremely miserable real fast yeah even your your uh your story of your headlamp like that's a that's a great example of like that small preparation uh you know it it turned out not to be so small when you had to live that experience but like those are those little things like the laces like the headlamp where you get you get that experience and you learn a little something that you'll never forget uh, and you know that's i think that like when we tested this for two seasons before we launched it like those were some of the things you know we where we we built in okay i think we should have an age associated with gear items so that you can track that more easily um expiration date it's it's funny enough you say that like that's in the roadmap to add to it uh last season my truck and my garage were broken into separate incidents in july and august and a good deal of my hunting gear was stolen and uh i had to go through the insurance process and that was another one where a a, a feature that that's on the roadmap is was born out of we'll have the ability to enter in serial numbers so things that are higher value and have a serial number associated with like uh, there's a number of use cases for that in my experience had I had that in my my hunt wallet for some of these items, 
I wouldn't have had to dig through who knows what to go try to find receipts and email receipts and whatever, however I needed to try to find some of these serial numbers so that I could put it down on the sheet for the insurance company to try to get some money back for these things that were stolen. So it's just, you know, our like Hunt Wallet is in a lot of ways, especially because it's a younger product, is a a reflection of the three of us and then some other of our good friends who are who are lifelong hunters, their experiences. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that, you know, I think that'll serve us to a certain point. And then we'll have to expand that sphere of of knowledge uh, and experience. But you know, everything. Uh, uh, almost, I would say almost, if not everything we do, we put in the hunt wall is we could tie it back to a specific experience. Mm-hmm. That is good. To, that is a, a great way to build onto something with it. I was looking through the Android version or the, 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 the details on it. You guys only just launched August 8th of 2022. It's like, it's only been on the market for a very short period of time. Yeah, we launched uh, iOS first in either January or February of 22, January of 22. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were hustling, hustling. That's another thing you'll learn uh, if if you're getting into app development or software is just (laughs) nothing delivers on time. Uh, That's so true. Former IT guy, I know. It's like, I know exactly what you mean. So we were hustling uh, with our agency at the time to... Get this, get a, get, be able to launch in the app store before Sportsman's Expo here in in Colorado, in Denver. And and credit to them, they were fantastic, and they got us over the finish line. I think like two days before we were supposed to start the show. Uh, but yeah, we made that business decision to launch iOS first. Uh, it's an easier platform to develop to, uh, uh, but we knew that to have this collaborative environment you know, you need, we need to have the major platforms and we need to have web. So as we, as it stands now, we have iOS, we have Android, we have web, we have mobile web. So, you know, if you're doing a hunt with three or four people, if, if one person has an Android and the rest have iPhones or one person has iPhone, the rest have Androids, or you have an older individual and not to, I'm not, you know, not to stereotype folks, but if you have an older individual that doesn't like using their phone necessarily for some of this more detailed, uh, some of the more detailed features, you can hop right on to your desktop or your laptop computer as well. That's actually a good way to, to accommodate all demographics on that particular aspect there. But yeah, from speaking with Jeremy with the Toxin app, he says he's dumped six figures into his app. Uh, Robert McLean, McLean with uh, uh, Fishfin, He's mid six fifties, six or six figures on his on his app too. It is a it's a daunting task, but you look at all their apps. It's like they never quit, and that's the best part about it. Like they're always constantly doing things on it. Like one thing that I really like that really stands up for, like regarding Fishfin, uh, they incorporate the weather so this way, and that's a, you can get a uh, a. Uh, a, he pulls all of his data from a bunch of people from NIOSH and a bunch of few others, along with, or no, excuse me. Then he also has a tournament edition where you can, where like you, Matt, you can set up in a tournament and you can have a, a nationwide, worldwide tournament and everybody pays in, but they pay in through the app, but the, the, the administrator that creates everything, 
that actually goes to a separate entity. So this way nobody can call call it fraud or anything like that, which is a pretty unique thing. Then they've also created like ideas to be able to sell GPS locations. So there's always something like that. And then you've got a toxin app. His whole idea is, is to be able to give people opportunity throughout the year to be able to go to 3D events or or target events or Vegas or whatever type of uh, tournament they have going on. But at least you, if you're bored on a weekend, it's like it's nice outside, you open it up. It's like, oh, it looks like there is a, a shoot down in Missouri. Let's go down there and check it out. Type scenario where you have that flexibility. And he's got HuntFest, Monetary Fest, HJUSA, Tax, who's got events on, or even R100. So he has events on there to bring people to the app. Now I'm just trying to figure out like how to bridge that gap for a community. And also biggest thing too is like what you guys probably learned too is dealing with people's PII information, their cell phones, their credit card information. I mean, that is just a lawyer in a half shell right there. Yeah, especially if you're, especially if you're handling transactions like, uh, the fish fin app. I mean, you know, for all the challenges and, and brain damage and fun that we've gone through, we've only, we only have payment at sign up. So thankfully we haven't had to, to go down that path to your point. You know, someone described it to us kind of early on and I don't know, I'll speak for myself. I don't think I really appreciated what it actually meant when he said it, but software is a living breathing thing like you you don't just write software and then it's done and you walk away and it just works like it's constantly i don't want to say breaking but it's constantly there's constantly issues that have to be resolved and every time you pull this lever here something over here moves that you didn't even know was going to move and then you have to go over there and you got to fix that and something down here moves as well so um it's, I mean, it's a fun, it's a blast, but it, you learn a lot pretty quickly. Oh yeah. I completely understand that. You are correct on that aspect too. When I was working for app support for a fortune five company, before I moved out of that department to, into my new, my current position. Yeah. It's like we had seven, eight different teams doing multiple different tasks. So if one thing broke on one side, we're over here fixing that or for we're dealing with like my, my particular aspect is like I dealt with all of the employees that dealt with the the oh or the uh, proprietary software, like okay, this isn't working, this isn't working, so we gotta send this off to this group. Yeah, it's it's a nightmare. That's why I got I got out of that IT department, and then I'm now I really enjoy where I work for right now. So, but it's 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 definitely I have a whole new respect. There's some definitely a lot of people that I got to meet that deserve raises or make more money because they just, <laughs> they know their shit. And it's like, I will go to them hands down. If anything else breaks down, then I was talking to my old supervisor and they, 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 she was gone. And then on Monday they, they dropped a restructuring while she's gone. While a bunch of leadership's gone. I was like, Oh, well, I'm glad I'm no longer in that problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Try, try this one on for size. So when we very first came up with our, you know, D came up with the idea and we, we got on board um, and we're, you know, we're bootstrapped and so forth. Uh, we got this idea in our head that we would build this fucking thing ourselves through like a low code. Okay. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I think Steve was probably the, the, he was probably the most intelligent of the group because I don't think he even attempted. No. And <laughs> D'Angelo and I got onto this program. We're fucking gung ho, like hell yeah, we're gonna save so much money. And what we're trying to do really isn't that sophisticated, right? Like, so, so we could probably just like learn this on the fly. 
I think two and a half weeks, we both came back together. And we were like, there's no fucking way yeah. that we are going to achieve anything, <laughs> the two of us. And that's when we went. And then that's when we started researching agencies and talking to people that we knew that were, you know, had similar businesses or were developers themselves and everything. But we look back on that and like, God damn, that was foolish. No, no part of that made any fucking sense. That's the, that's the best part of it too. It's three non-technical founders. And then we're sitting there like, yeah, this shouldn't take them long. Let's make this the priority. And like, uh, that one probably is going to take a lot of time and like spending the time going through it. And then you send it off to them and they're like, Ooh, that one that you thought was like a 30 minute fix is like three weeks. Yeah. Like, and it was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that feature actually, I don't think that feature is even that. Yeah. I don't think anyone's going to use that anyway. So we could probably cut that. What's been interesting since the beginning to now is the progression seeing the progression from all of us um initially it was oh this has to be perfect and nitpicking everything but now it's more of a does it work yeah it works could it be better yes let's ship it and um it's taken us a while to get there but um i think for us we realize that you know feedback is important and always getting things out for the users to new things out for the users to test for us to test mm -hmm. has been pretty interesting to see like our progression from the beginning to now a hundred percent like it, it like goes back into the very beginning when Delo is going through all these states and then i work in construction and he'd be like hey how many points do you have in south dakota and i'd be like all right I, when i get home i'll log on and let's see if it makes sense for this year or how many points do you have for this and Colorado, I think, you know, you, Matt, and D, I think we could all draw that tag. And it was this, you know, archaic process of going and having to log into all these various states. And so it ends up being a two-day thing when you're trying to figure it out. So the frustration from, you know, one person trying to figure it out, but then you're having to, to wait. And then it, that was a big driver, I feel like, when you could put in preference points and bonus points by states now you know we ask and it's it's you know if you have your phone with you it's five minutes or if it's you know they know they'll get a reply at lunchtime like, sure it, it's right then so do yeah. you think as as the L, the evolution of the app goes where you are you gonna build uh bonds with the blm to be able to uh, have access to be able to pull have the app pull directly from the server farms to be able to pull that information or are you still going to keep that that gap in between the two so this way you, you can still log into their into their into their system pull the information out and put it in manually what are you what are your thoughts on that now you're just talking dirty to us yeah <laughs> love but like what we're saying is archaic that's what they operate that's the world that they operate in they uh -huh. the states aren't going to change like we've went down that road trying to figure it out and that's obviously, you know, something down the road, I feel like we would want to come up with, but they're, they're all so archaic in the approach and on their end that I don't know if that tie is even possible. Okay. I, to my understanding and the research that I've done specifically, I don't think any of the 50 states offer an API right. into their system. And I'm not convinced that they are motivated to, because to, from their perspective, I don't think there is a 
a, a motivation or a value to do it. Um, we all know hunter demographics and kind of where those sit and the people that are in the leadership and decision-making positions. Um, I don't think it's a, a, a big priority to them. And, and that's not a, in, that's not a criticism. That's not like a, a value judgment or anything. I just, in their world of competing interests and finite resources and everything else, I don't think that writing an API is, uh, at the top of their list. So would we, would we like that? I yeah. mean, yeah, it's, a, it's like a wet dream, right? Like to be able to, to talk back and forth with all of these disparate, uh, you know, well, you have 50 states, we'll just start there, right? So you automatically have 50 different or at least dissimilar systems. And then um, those systems don't, like within those, in, within those departments, they don't even necessarily always talk, the right hand doesn't always talk to the left hand. So um, I don't think we're holding out for a lot of hope on that side, but I do think that there's a lot of kind of kind of tricks and different things that we could do that could kind of mimic that, or at least for the user experience, it, it could appear as if it's all very seamless. Um, and you know, that's just for us to to figure out the best way to to get to that point. Sure. Now, for those who don't know what API stands for, application program interface. And it, what it is is a set of functions and procedures that allow the the communication between everything. Now, for getting back to my relation or what I understand, I work I work with the VA, so I exactly know what you're talking about because they don't talk to each other. Because you got one set of egos over here, you got another set of egos over here, and they don't want to talk because it's oh. like, how dare they come up with something better than my idea? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a it's a it's a it's a cluster man i tell you what i dealing with the back end between the va and stuff like that dealing with their their uh our forms and our procedures that we had to go back through to make sure everything is done and it's like we we don't tell them to jump they tell us to jump we just have to ask how high and then we gotta wait for them to respond because sometimes it could be immediately or it could be weeks we just we just never knew yeah and it it's, it seems, I mean, you know, you, you've lived this, like, it seems simple from the outside. It seems straightforward and it rarely is. And it doesn't matter if it's Hawaii's fish and game department, which is laissez-faire is yeah, very much so. Uh, <laughs> uh, or it's, it's Apple. Like just the other day, we had an issue with a date picker uh tool uh not working on safari and we do a little bit of research and come to find out that date pickers in safari are a continuing known issue and for anyone who doesn't understand date picker is just when you go to enter a date and it brings up a calendar you know and you select the date from it that's that's just a, a date picker um and you just think to yourself like i'm developing a tool for the Apple App Store, and I'm having problem with Apple's native browser. Like it does not compute. But that's you know that's the world that when you get into this, you start to understand that it none of it, everything that seems like it would be simple is not, and the stuff that seems like it wouldn't be simple is really not simple. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Now, when it comes down to, I was reading through your your gear management there. Will you plan? Would do you guys have it in your mind to be able to open up? everybody's backpack to for others to comment and ask tell them like hey i tried i've used this i've had it fail to me but i recommend this 
Is that going to be an option to have people critique other packs just to kind of give a perspective on, like, if I was if I was going to show my pack to anybody, it would be to Steve. It's like, hey, this is what my pack is. What do you think? And, like, you can go through. It's like, that's garbage. That's garbage. Replace it with this type of aspect. Steve, take that. So, basically, are you just – I want to make sure I'm understanding you. You want to be able to – get feedback on the gear that you're planning to pack or all of the gear that you that an experienced hunter may have that you may be interested in both actually that's a good it's a good way to phrase the how you explain it but it would be actually to be bold to answer your question there because it would be nice to show them like this is what i have currently and then with the date stamps you guys provided it, it gives anybody an opportunity to look at it. it's like okay so it looks like he's got x y and z it's like well then we can then somebody can like Matt can say, like, I recommend this for a base layer. Steve can come in and say, hey, I recommend these for socks. Just to kind of provide that community that people really thrive on. That's what uh, kind of gets, kind of keeps the uh, the outdoor realm going is the community that we've established and being able to provide advice. And at least at least provide valuable advice. There's always those keyboard warriors out there that says, oh, your pack sucks. And it's like, they don't elaborate <laughs> why it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Um, so yes, so on the in currently in the profile, um, you you can view like your gear locker, you can view your wish list, you can view another hunter's gear locker. Um, on the roadmap, what we plan on doing is having, well, currently is having the ability for users to ask questions. So basically what you're what you're referring to, ask questions about. Uh, a given um, or interact or comment on a give a given like gear item. So we'll say like the shitty pack. Uh, how's this pack? Does your pack really suck? Um, from an actual now, that's the gear locker. From an actual gear list perspective, at least that's where my mind goes to when you're saying like, look, let me look in your pack. Um, sure, that's something that we just have not discussed. Um, and I mean, it's. A, it is a you know a valid point um, on the roadmap. We do we are going to have the ability to where you can add notes and things like that to a, a specific gear item. But interacting with a gear gear list item like asking so use case a inexperienced hunter asks a experienced hunter how do these fit or how do the how does your pack? How does your pack fit around your waist or something like that within the application? I think is um, could be a potential um, solution to that. Okay. Uh, no, I think the only thing I would add to that is um, just the ability to communicate within the hunt. Say if it's a group hunt like that, that that'll exist. So within the group hunt, within the members of the group hunt, you'll you'll be able to hear shortly, you'll be able to communicate amongst the other, amongst each other. Now the ability to actually comment on a specific gear item. I think that honestly, Jeff, I think that might be the first time that we've heard that specific feedback. So that's something we will take back to, you know, the R and D and kind of try to understand like how that would work and, and where it could fit into what we're, how we're trying to accomplish things. That's a good, I'm glad I gave you some, uh, an opportunity to do that. Now, another thing too, is that we have all of these program or supplement companies. We have wilderness athlete, we have first form, uh, there is bucked up. 
have you guys started like also figuring out ways to implement into the gear locker like hey it's like well i see mr vance is using altitude advantage from wilderness athlete and it's like and it's listed in there it's like well i want to buy that are you guys thinking out ways to be able to like establish an affiliate link or figure out a dealership program where this way when a person does look in to somebody's gear locker or their their wish list they see something like that like oh i want that you buy it then you guys get a cut from it have you guys looked at being able to figure out a way to bridge that gap yeah that's that's something we've talked about in the past and and it came up relatively early in the process because i think it's it's kind of an intuitive idea to get to but right now our sole kind of focus and what is driving almost all of the app development is getting to this place where we we have this vision in our mind of like what the a complete planning and organizing tool would or should be um, in the, before we get into different ways to monetize different ways to kind of like activate user data or whatever, that kind of stuff. Because if, if we can build a tool that gives hunters the, the features that they need and want, and we can package it in, in, in an intuitive manner and, and create like a really good user experience, then, then at least in our view, then like it opens up to the world, like all kinds of different things you could do to kind of like, refine and really dial in that experience and maybe like you know back to steve's example like if we start to understand that 85 percent of our users will get a new pair of boots after 3.4 years of having it like we can look at that and be like okay maybe that we can help out our users that when they're boots hit three point whatever years, we can give them a nudge and be like, hey, maybe it's time to look to a new pair of boots. But like getting this, what we all, again, as hunters ourselves feel like is this comprehensive hunt planning and organizing tool right now, that's where all of our energy and resources are going. Okay. That's a good understanding to go from it. Cause I was going to say that there's, there's a, uh, my, my uh, repeat guest and a good friend of mine, Cameron Stover, he is the owner operator of uh huntinggeardeals.com and where he has an algorithm where he searches out and he has relationships with all the vendors out there and pulls the best deals on a weekly or on a daily basis to provide that extra value. And it's like, well, when that day comes, it's like, let's see you two meet and be able to get, how to keep hunt wallet ahead of the copycats that are probably going to eventually show up. Absolutely. Now, is there anything that, uh, we, that, um, what's, what's the, what do you guys got planned for the upcoming summer months? Are, are you going to be attending any events going to do with 3d shoots? How can people like, it'd be fun to be able to get your audience to be able to shoot with you guys at some of the events that are coming up throughout the next few months before elk season it kicks off next weekend we'll be at the best of the best uh, archery shoot it's the gladiators unleashed and aaron snyder of kafaru it's up in bailey um they i don't believe they're full for the event so if you're in colorado i definitely recommend looking at that and signing up 
And then at the end of June, we'll be at the Western Hunt Fest at American Bowman up in Bailey as well. And then um, we are going to start down the path. So we got like a, a little chunk of development that we believe um, is will def will can take the application to another level. Um, and once we get that developed, which hopefully we'll have that developed here in the next week or so, we're going to start, um, you know, setting up at the sportsmen's warehouses, the Cabela's, the Shields, the local archery shops, and really, you know, getting into the community. Yeah, we, being in Colorado, like it's, it's a, we're very fortunate for the Western hunting world, right? Like it's a, it's a great place to be there. So our, our focus right now is where, as we're a young brand and a young product is uh, to really like try to, to, I guess, like really burrow into Colorado um, and into our backyard and into the hunters that are nearest to us. And so there's obviously great events all over the country, which is actually really, really cool. You, you know, you could go to what would be considered a Western archery event in the Eastern United States, you know, with some of the TAC events and so forth. But like for us right now with our resources and our time and so forth, like we are a hundred percent really focusing on what we can do in Colorado, which is why, like D'Angelo said, we'll be at a couple events at uh, American Bowman in Bailey, Colorado, while we'll be at these local retailers, why we did Sportsman's Expo. Um, you know, we did go to Western uh, Hunt, Expo. Hunt Expo there in Salt Lake this year, which is just a fantastic, uh, incredible uh, show and experience. Have you been out to that one? No, I have not. I've not traveled to that event yet. Is that, when is that usually typically hosted? February. February yeah. See, that's where it gets a little ske sketchy because you never know one time you're going to have to deal with the massive snowstorm. And coming from Wisconsin, it's like I, I usually, once the season tends to hit, I tend to stick to the Midwest when, I, when, when the expo season comes on just because of the fact that you never know when you're going to run into a storm. Like I went to the Iowa Deer Classic, and I had to, I had to get in front of a snowstorm that was coming. And so that kind of plays a uh, – the biggest, uh, the biggest um, hold setback is is that potentially running into that uh, setback of running into a winter storm. We ran into that this year coming back from Western Hunt Expo. We ended up leaving at about five p.m. that night just to get in front of a storm. Yeah, well, I don't know if we got in front of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be quite honest with you, I think we must have been all of 10, 15 minutes ahead of them shutting the gates on I eighty. Yeah. uh in wyoming and shutting the highway down uh and we were slip sliding pretty good yeah. um i think if the wives knew that what how that trip uh home went down they would have been less than enthusiastic about the drive i just thank god we were in a ford yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those drives where it's like silent and then it's like we get to a gas station like good job <laughs> we survived we made it a few yeah. more feet yeah so yeah so to, to answer your question we'll uh we'll be at some local events i mean uh, you know local to colorado um and we'll be at some archery shops some some gear shops um and you know if if there are opportunities that present themselves uh 
that come up between now and the season will be there. But uh, between trying to develop the new, some of the new features and then uh, do all this on our, our free time effectively, I think we'll have a pretty full summer. And as you know, and every other hunter, fuck, it's going to be September before you know mm-hmm. it. That is exactly right, man. I, I, yeah, I know. It's like, it's our, it's, it's only May. It's almost June. It's like, man, where did, where did May go? Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, I was just the other day, I was starting to look at my calendar to start look at, looking at scouting when, uh, when I can get up to scout. And all of a sudden I was like, shit, man, I only got like four weekends that aren't spoken for already. And it's, you know, like it's only June. Um, so it's going to fill up quickly, which shameless plug. Um, you know, we think of hunt wallet as like a hunt planning and organizing tool. Well, we plan all of our scouting trips in it. We plan, uh, fishing trips in it. We plan all of our expos, uh, all the things essentially, if we plan on bringing anything, if there's some type of date component to it, tasks and there's some tasks that we need to get uh done in anticipation that's that is the core of like what hunt wallet so if you take the applications point tracking that kind of pref you know the the brochures and that side out of it it's it's gear it's tasks it's deadlines and it's planning you know dates uh which is really what it comes down to so i mean d'angelo planned uh, his, the going to the hospital for the birth of his second child, uh, in it, or at least, you know, built that out for things he needed to get done and, and, and things he needed to take. So it, it's got a lot of value outside of just, just planning hunts. I've tried to plan dates with my wife. That one just hasn't (laughs) gone over well. Yeah. Well, that's because you've got to a little more sensitive in the tasks you assigned to her. <laughs> Funny. Now, um, so uh, is there has there anything that we haven't talked about yet that you that you guys want to speak on? I would just say holistically, if someone's like, "What is hunt wallet?" Would just say it's all your hunts in your pocket. It's all your gears in your pocket. It's all your to dos in your pocket. Mm-hmm. We've taken everything that we use as hunters already, but in disparate tools, whether that's spreadsheets, whether it's stickies, whether it's the notes on your phone, whether it's the text message communication, whatever. And we've just brought it into one place that's always on you that is easy and intuitive. And then we've married it with automatic notifications so that you don't, you know, hopefully you never miss a deadline. Um, and as we know, hunting is one of those kind of unique uh, things that we do where you miss a deadline and you're toast for a year. Like mm-hmm. if I don't buy a ski ticket, I just don't think you get to ski that day. You know what I mean? Or like take that kind of idea. Well, you don't get an application in. Sorry, sucks to be you, you know, be better next year. So that's really what hunt wallet is. If it, you know, if you were to sum it up just in a, in a few sentences, it's every hunt in your pocket, all your gear in your pocket to do is in your pocket and reminders. Mm-hmm. And I think like to add on to what Matt's saying, I think two areas that you just don't hear a lot about in hunting is the monetary side of things. And 
inside of your gear locker, there's the wish list. So it's all that stuff that, you know, you want or that is needed for the upcoming season and actually putting a true cost behind that. And then it helps you plan to not, you're not dropping, you know, a thousand dollars in August and your wife is like, what the hell are these charges on the credit card? It's, it allows you to be like, okay, well, a hundred bucks a month, you know, is, doesn't, isn't like a shock to the system, you know, planning appropriately leading up to it. And then I think also on the monetary side, when you're putting in for all these states and all of these tags, it really allows you to understand and make decisions, you know, is it, am I going to just do Wyoming and South Dakota? This is what my tag fees are going to be. I'm not accounting for fuel. I'm not accounting for, you know, stay lodging, um, any of those things yet. So it really helps draw that picture and I think can help bring full circle, like in a family situation when a wife is asking or a husband is asking, you know, what is that really going to cost? It's, it makes it simple. It puts it out there for them so they can understand help them budget for it. What do they need to work for? What do they need to save? That sort of thing. That's fantastic, guys. And then another thing is I want to include the other, if, you don't have, if you're not aware of a BioLife or some place to don- donate plasma, it is a great way to help supplement your income there, guys and gals, to be able to have uh, tax-free income to be able to put towards that hunting. I mean, you may look like a heroin addict, but in the end you can you can save you thousands of dollars. I mean, I've you I've used my biolife money to buy guns and to buy bows and equipment and all kinds of fun stuff just to be able to offset that because we my wife and I have our own goals and such, but to going out to be able to do the stuff and not impede on our on our budget and to get in the way of of uh, retirement stuff like cuz we're very heavily focused on trying to build our retirement, but also like, how do we have this ability to live and such? So you have a bio life for SL SC or CSL plasma. Those are two just companies I know that are here. They're primarily found in college towns and such, but it's a great way to bring in. Like I think right now, for example, bio life and lacrosse, they're paying 115 bucks a week. So, I mean, you add that up, that's $460 right there. That's, that's, that's a, that's a new pistol or a whole bunch of fun gear. Yeah, it's a lot of arrows. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> or just a quiver full of arrows. <laughs> that is true. Uh, for that, like, uh, no, what's that's, that? That's giving life to take life. <laughs> that's, that's a slogan give life to take life <laughs> now i did do some digging here i went and found the link to where you can sign up for the best the best archery showdown that's coming up here at the uh uh, bow, the American bow, American bowman.org. And it's, you can do either, there's two means of sign up. You can do a team competition or an individual competition. I have the link dropped in the comment section. So those are those can do it. But now there are, there are some uh, qualifications for, or there's some rules to it. Uh, you, there's no same day registration registrations will be allowed and all registration ends June 5th. So that's coming up extremely quickly. Yeah, I think it's mm-hmm. I think it's five days out. Uh, yeah, tomorrow is thirty first. So yeah, you got six days. Exactly. Sign up for that one. That one's. I mean, you know, that you know, and Western Hunt Fest are are equally awesome. Best of the best. I think if I had to say, it's probably going to be more personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's definitely going to be some personalities. 
uh, at that event. And I mean that in a, in a very positive way. Um, Western Hunt Fest, I think, is just like you got some fucking grinders in there because you've got that pack out challenge. And, uh, you know, you got people that are that are really serious. They're really about that life. Um, so it's, it, they're equal, they're, they're both badass, but I think, you know, they're, they, they're going to be different in their own, in their own ways. Best, best, best. I'm looking for the best, best because one, we haven't done it before. And two, just knowing the few people like, yeah. like Luke yeah. that we do know, <laughs> Josh is another one. Um, I'm spacing on his name. Unfortunately, he's retired to hunt. He has a podcast called retired to hunt. Um, those, those folks up there are going to make for a, a fun, a fun experience. Yeah. Got a tattoo artist coming in. So people are going to be getting inked up while they're drinking. I don't know if that's even allowed, but <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, well, it all depends on the state regulation so that it can be legal to do that. Like I know here in, well, this is a County ordinance here in Wisconsin, but you cannot be intoxicated in lacrosse and get a tattoo. So that's just for, that's just the County one uh, to add into more details about best, of the best. since this coming up real quick. Saturday is the team event. 40 teams, 250 bucks per team. And then Sunday is the individual event, $130 per person, limited to 100 shooters, period. But like they say in the the disclaimer there, doesn't matter what the weather is, you're going to be shooting in, whether it be rain, sleet, shine, or snow. And no refunds if you don't show. So that's on you. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think two years ago, we got a uh, a very oh, was it last year? Yeah. A very late snowstorm. I think it dumped like two and a half feet on their asses. Oh shit! Yeah. <laughs> oh fuck, man! That 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 definitely really kind of puts it in perspective. It's like you need to get that hunt wall to be prepared for this event. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, where are some of the best ways to reach out to you guys? How are the yeah? You guys have emails you want to share, or do you guys want to tell them to go to your Instagram or Facebook? What are the best ways to find you? Um, so I Instagram at Hunt Wallet. Matt runs our social um, when he slacks, which is very seldom. <laughs> I'll hop in there. And then uh, hello at Hunt Wallet. So everybody, I mean, the three guys that you see here are, this is our tech support. This is marketing. This is sales. So if you reach out to us in either one of those channels, likelihood is that one of us is going to be responding to you. Fantastic. And one of one of uh, the uh, watchers here, Dose After Dark, reached out to us. Pro tip, don't show your wife your finances. And, and pro tip number two, if it it's allowed if you don't tell anyone. So it's like, I write, I like that. If they don't know, you'd say it's okay. Yeah, yeah someone, actually somebody uh, suggested a feature where you could share your wish list, but it would actually change all the prices and lower them significantly. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know if we'll be going through with that, but I think there's a, a lot of people along that same line of thinking. <laughs> no, no, no kidding. Yeah. I, I, that's why my wife loves to hunt. She, she, she's a, she's an, this is her bow sitting behind me. I've, I've, helped her tweak it to become a better archer herself and uh like for an example this is how awesome she is instead of a what for a wedding ring she wanted a, a sidearm so she we went to the gun we went to the gun show oh, is that awesome pick out her own <laughs> is, is that awesome buddy yeah right? <laughs> okay watch yourself <laughs> i think it is i just like i look at the positive side it. of it but hey at least it, like if i do get shot in the back it's like well i probably deserved it and uh <laughs> I know, you, you know who the uh, the culprit is 
Yeah, and, and, you know what? Not many people can say they got shot with a gun they purchased for their significant other. Uh, you know, there's probably a few women on death row that could beg to differ, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, guys. Uh, thank you. I want to say thank you for taking time on your night to joining us. I see the wine is flowing very well in your end there. And uh, everybody else is tuned in for this two-hour show. Appreciate your long time, long time uh, being in here. And Thank you for Dosed After Dark uh, for commenting in the, in, the, in the comment section. But anyways, everybody have a great night. Thank, right, thank you. you. Appreciate thank you. it. Yeah. Thanks, You're welcome. Joe.